Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 222 of Yoga Land. Today, my guest is Jason, and the tables are turned a little bit. He's going to be interviewing me, and we'll get to that in a moment. But before we begin, I just wanted to do a quick plug for my content blueprint for yoga teachers course. I'm going to be running it again soon. If you would like to get on the wait list, please go to www.yogacontentblueprint.com. And I will open up registration officially on February 28th. So you want to hop on before then. This time around, I'm doing things a little bit differently. Instead of having three live calls in a row, I'm going to do one live call per month for six months. So you get six live calls instead of three. And I just learned from that first group that they needed a little bit more time between each call to implement the learning from the course. So this gives you a little bit more time for that. And then there is also a Facebook group, which will include past participants from the course who you can you know, connect with and learn from, and then a place for you to interact with me between the calls. So go to yogacontentblueprint.com to get on the wait list. What a good number that is, 222. Hi, Jason. Hi, Andrea. I was just thinking I like that number. Yeah. I'm not super into numbers. Me neither. I don't have anything against numbers. No. But I'm not like a number guy. Yeah. You know, but that's a good number. It's a good number. Yeah. We are here today and we're going to talk about repurposing content, what it means to repurpose. Well, I'm going to talk about what it means to repurpose content. I think the first time I heard that phrase was from you when you were my editor a long time ago. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I just assume that it's such a natural, normal thing that people know about. It's not. But I remember asking Chelsea as I was developing my content blueprint course, so what do you want to know? And she said, well, when you came in and talked to our 300-hour teacher training class about content, people were blown away by repurposing. <laughs> I yeah. said, really? Yeah. And then I remembered that in the 90s, when I worked for a web company called women.com, we had this really lively extroverted salesperson named Gina. And she came in and she... I don't know. She used to just like breeze into the office. She was from New York. She looked like a character out of the show Dynasty. And she would like stand in front of, you know, we we all had like that sort of open office situation. She would stand in front of us and like barrel out advice when she came in. And as she was leaving this one particular day, she said, it's just like the cable bottle, ladies. You just play it and you replay it and you replay it. All right, see you later. And she like breezed off. So I want to stop you, which is to say, which is a reason why I think there's a negative connotation sometimes when people think about repurposing. Mm-hmm. Because it can sound a little bit like people are resting on their laurels or they are just continuing to do the same thing over and over and over, right? Yeah. Um, it's and funny that yoga teachers would think that when- they teach down dog over and over and over. Right. But here's the thing is I don't <laughs> think they think they do. So for example, like, because you are going to talk a lot about repurposing of content and I am going to have an angle to this, which is thinking about sequences because sequencing to me is like, it's content. It's the order of the postures and the instructions that we're teaching and why we're using that order. So I think a lot of times what happens in the yoga world sequencing wise is we do the same things, but just in slightly different orders, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of refining those things or changing those things or developing new content, I think that a lot of times when we shuffle the deck, 
we're not adding new cards, but we kind of shuffle the deck and we think that's being original and creative, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that to some degree, when we shuffle the deck, put this pose instead of that pose, instead of that pose, instead of this pose, right? Mm -hmm. I think that we often think when we shuffle the deck that we are not repurposing, that we're generating things entirely new. Mm -hmm. And that probably isn't the case, but let's start with this. Let's start with Gina. And let's start with this idea of what do you mean by repurposing content? And why is that so fundamental for a contemporary yoga practitioner and teacher to understand? Yeah. Um, so repurposing is just simply taking any piece of content and reformatting it or creating a different marketing approach to it. It can be either of those things for a different platform. So you could think of, I mean, actually, I, I can just, I'm just going to give you one example and then I can go into the why. And it's interesting that you bring up yoga because as I was creating this content for my course, it all kind of came together for me that you're, you know, I recommend the way to think about it first is to think about a substantial piece of content. So it's like a blog post, for example, you write a blog post let's say it's about unconventional ways to approach backbend. You've actually written that blog post. I have. Now, did now you I'm going to write one called Conventional Ways to Approach a Backbend. <laughs> did you just write that blog post? No. No. You created a whole month's worth of classes around that blog post. Correct. So that's repurposing. That's yes. a really basic way to think about repurposing. Exactly. But it's a really useful way because your classes can inform your digital content. Your digital content can also inform your classes. Correct. Especially if you publish it first, let's say, and it's it's a blog post that takes off, that people are sharing, that people are commenting on, et cetera, et cetera. Then you know, you have that data. Oh, okay, this is something people are really interested in. I should repurpose it. I should put it in another format. There's more here. Yeah, Right. exactly. People are engaging with it. And that's one of the interesting things for better and for worse as a teacher, especially teaching via Zoom, is we don't always know how what we're presenting is being engaged with. Like, I don't know how you feel about what we're doing when we're doing it. Mm -hmm. I can think I know, mm -hmm. but I don't really know. But if you do something on Instagram, if you do a blog post or whatever it is, and you see that it gets shared at high volume, it gets a lot of contents, it gets a lot of save or a lot of comments and a lot of saves, then you realize, oh, okay, there's more here. Let me actually start to go a little bit deeper and build more around this. Yeah, absolutely. So that is actually, I have a list of seven things today of why I think repurposing is, is vital. And that is one of them, which is that it can help inform your teaching. It can help inform bigger events that you produce. It can help inform um, your content strategy. Yes. And this one is actually further down on the list. So I'm going to back up and I'm going to say the first most basic reason that repurposing content is important is because there are just so many different ways for people to access media these days. There's so many different ways that you actually have to repurpose it in order for people to 
find it. Yeah. You can't just post a blog post and put it in your newsletter and hope people opened that newsletter and then clicked on that post. You can't. It it has to be, they, they might have to see it three, four, five, six times before they even click on it. Right. Similar to that, you can't just put it in Instagram, because right? Or Facebook, because even though that might get a higher level of eyes than your blog post, it's a lower degree of intimacy, mm-hmm. right? So when people see something in social media, more people will see it, but they don't necessarily see it with the same intimacy or import that they would if they read it on your blog. Right. So true. Now, I am very loose when I like in terms of my definition definition of repurposing. So I do think of like if you took your blog post and you put it in your Instagram feed and you wrote, a, you know, a, obviously you're not going to post the whole blog post. So you're going to do like a shorter caption. I consider that to be repurposing. Yes. So you like you said, it's when someone sees it on your Instagram, it's not they're not going to get the full dose yes. of the content, but they're still getting some of it, yes. right? And so they're getting some of it and they might think like, oh, that sparked my attention, but I have to go order my coffee now and turn off my phone. So again, then when they open their email later and they see a headline directly in their inbox for their newsletter, oh yeah, I wanted to go back and read this story. Let me, let me, I'm going to read this before bed tonight. You just have to kind of cover as many bases as possible and accept, you kind of have to accept the fact, like you have to accept it, come to acceptance with the fact that this exists and also not be overly worried about bugging people with your content, right? Like, I think that that's a very common thing in the yoga world is like, well, I don't want to be spamming people and I don't want to be overly this or overly that. You think there's a lot of that? Well, I think there's a lot of that in our community. Yeah, exactly. People who listen to us. Yeah. So that's not something to be as concerned about. If you are concerned about that, then think about different angles, right? Different formats for particular areas of content. So to give an example of that, like you said, you know, you just said you you can't just post it on Instagram. Well, you actually could if you used like sort of all the sub sections of Instagram. So you can't just post it on your feed, but you could post a caption on your feed. You could post a swipe up on your story. You could ask, like you could ask, you could have a sticker in your story that's like, you know, what's your favorite approach to backbends and post those answers. You could do an IGTV do thing. A short longer, video. A, sl- yeah, a slight, slightly longer bit based on it. Yeah, you could do a short yeah. video. In the video, you can kind of tell more of a story behind the blog post. You could do a reel. You could, it's just like, oh my God, the options are endless. That's kind of how it is these days. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to make just one little commentary on that, which is, if you were to post something on Instagram and a thousand people saw it, not necessarily likes, but you know, you a thousand people saw it. And then there was a, to read more about this article on backbends, the link is in my bio. So let's say a thousand people saw it and let's say only 10 people actually went to the link in bio and read it. Well, those are 10 people who are engaging at a, at a deeper depth with you. Those 10 people that go all the way to your website to read your piece of content are much more likely to be a qualified student of yours at some point. 
right? And so I think that's another thing to be mindful of accepting is thinking about that conversion of helping people see your approach and what you have to present, but then getting them all the way down to engaging with you a little bit more deeply as a student, Mm -hmm. right? So for me as a teacher, I know what my goal is, which is to have you as a student of mine in some sort of class, right? And I think that all the teachers listening, like that's really kind of a bottom line, whether it's a training, whether it's a workshop, whether it's a live class, whether it's a Zoom class, like ultimately we want the student to take a class with us. And so knowing that when you have the broader reach, lower intimacy of engagement with Instagram, then funneling those really interested students to a little bit more deeper slice of what you have to offer is a really good gateway to like having that person either A, become a student of yours and teach a class, or B, something even more important for me over the years, which is retain them. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's to really retain them, especially for me for a long time when I would travel so much. I knew that I was only going to be in New York once a year. So I wanted those students in New York to know that, hey, at least once a month, they could they could learn from me or practice with me in another environment. Yeah. I mean, getting people to your website is a great conversion because hopefully on your website, you have easy ways, several ways for them to subscribe to your newsletter. And there's no better way to communicate with people on a regular basis than through your newsletter. You hopefully have your schedule or a big fat link to your schedule easily available. And you hopefully have a very a simple version of a bio of yourself and a longer version of a bio of yourself. So getting people to your website is like, it's the goal. It's um, even it's even more important now in the live stream era, mm-hmm. right? Because now people from all around the world can take your class yeah. because your class is online. Yeah. You know, so it's even more important that we have that central location where people from different places can take a class with us. Yeah. So I want to make sure I get through my list. So Go let's see it. what we've done. Like I'm skipping around here. So we'll see what, what I've done so far. So we've talked about how it's vital because, you know, there's so many different ways that people can get information. We've talked about how it can allow you to test certain topics and see how well they do yeah. so that they inform your teaching or they inform the rest of your strategy. It also, you know, to be just completely transparent, it's going to save your sanity, right? Because when you start producing content, you feel like you're on a hamster wheel. Yes. You just do. I, I have been doing this. This is my whole career and I still feel like I'm making the donuts. Remember that Dunkin' Donuts commercial? Yes, I do. (laughs) I still, you know, I still feel like I'm grinding it out sometimes. So it will get you off of that feeling and get you sharing things. And again, not worrying about repeating yourself. You repeat instructions to down dog every time there's a yoga class. Not me. Do people ever say like, I'm so tired of this pose. Nobody says that. And in addition, people need to hear it said many different times, many different ways to get the message. So it will take you off the hamster wheel. Something to know is that you don't have to do all of your repurposing at once. So we're going to take this blog post again. We talked about Instagram feed, Instagram story, newsletter. I think those are like the basics, right? Uh, At a bare minimum, those are things you should do to repurpose something. 
you don't have to do the video right away. You can wait and see if that post, again, like we were saying, does incredibly well, gets a lot of engagement, a lot of comments, a lot of swipe ups, a lot of saves. You can then in a couple months down the line when you're like, oh my God, what am I going to post this week? You know, I'm going to take that blog post and I'm going to repurpose it as a short video and I'm going to publish the video on IGTV. I'm going to publish it. You know, I'm going to put a link to it in my newsletter. I'm going to, if I have a YouTube channel, put it on my YouTube channel. Boom. You're done. You might also produce those longer format bits because you're just driven to do them. You know what I mean? It might be because you realize, hey, I'm interested in this. I made some commentary on it and there was relatively good engagement. So I'm over time, I'm going to, I'm going to pull on this thread a little bit more. Yeah. But the other reason you might is because you might just love it. You might just be nerdy about it. You might just feel really compelled to talk more about the distal head of the first metatarsal. You just can't stop talking enough about it. You'd be an idiosyncratic person and maybe hanging out with a podiatrist a lot. But the point is, is like, as a teacher, there are going to be things that you do not necessarily based on data, but because, hey, I'm really into this. I have new insight and I want to share it. I think what you're talking about is is really important and is actually the ideal world. Totally. I think that we worry so much when people think about creating content, they think I have to create a different thing every week and every week it has to be creative. And And, and you've actually talked about this with sequencing. There's so much pressure. We put so much pressure on ourselves to do something new and dazzling and spectacular, but really it's going to be better for you and better for your students if there's actually a few things that you focus on and you focus on them really well Yeah, because you care about them and you're passionate about them. A lot of marketers would call this your niche and they, they talk about niching down and how important it is to niche down. I, ha- I am not there yet. I am not a person... I don't love that. That language still. Some people, it it works for some people. Yeah, fair enough. And and that's fine. It's just, it's not the direct advice I give to people because I think that it sort of closes you off and your niche might change over time. Yeah. Right. So you might be really, really passionate about something for a few months. You might be passionate about it for several years and then you might grow and change. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. I think what you're talking about is great. And one way that you can think of these topics that you like to create content around. You can think about them as your foundational sort of cornerstone content and what you become known for. And that's one of the other things on the list is that when you repurpose things, when you put them into different formats, when you sometimes, you know, you'll be researching in order to do that, you become more knowledgeable of that little subsection of information. You just become better at teaching it. You become better at talking about it. So you become more knowledgeable. And then you also are able to communicate it better in different places. Yes. So so this is something I talk about a lot in my course is, you know, because I, I, I'm seeing a lot of fatigue right now around being online. And Big time. believe me, I get it. We all have it. We all have we it. We all have it. It's just so much right now. And so I see a lot of questioning, like, do I have to do this? Is this really important? And I'm going to tell you, you know, if you if you want to teach yoga, yes, you you have yeah, to do it. Do. It's, there's no. I'm going to make a little commentary based on these, which is, you know, I I know at this point in my life as a teacher what I'm known for, right? I'm really known primarily for three things: how I sequence, 
my take on on kind of traditional technique anatomy and contemporary revision of technique that takes into account how bodies work and then finally teaching teachers and there's subsets from those but those are the things i never set out saying i want to do this and this and this i'm going to niche down and become a never yeah. never so it's this is where it's all rear view mirror for me it's like those are just the things that i had and have the greatest amount of passion for and in some ways some of those things you know especially anatomy and technique those were harder fought for me some of the teaching of philosophy was actually easier for me but i don't do that outside of training context that overtly anymore you know so those are the things that i tend to focus on and write on and as a function of what you're saying as a function of focusing on them and writing on them you get better at them it's like this nice kind of like pious circle yeah the other thing is if and i'm 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 honest with myself and i'm really honest with other students and teachers which is look there's only going to be that many things that you're good at you know what i mean there's only going to be that many things that you're good at that you have a lot of insight in and i have a ton of insight in a few things most of the rest of the world i think you can attest i don't have a ton of insight you know I was, oh that's not I was true. yelling at alexa well, calling her Siri all morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that does happen. It happens. <laughs> it happens more. He had to unplug Alexa uh, because he couldn't remember her name. Uh, but that has more to do with middle age than anything yes, else. Yes, it anyway. does. But so it's the same thing as a teacher. It's like, it's not that you want to keep singing the same tune. It's that if you try to play every instrument that exists, you're just not going to actually be super good at playing all the instruments. It's just, it's the reality. Unless you are like the most gifted person with everything in the world, that's fine. But diving deeper and trusting the things that you really love and care about, you're going to, especially online, likely find your people. Yeah. Right? And the last thing is just to kind of to reiterate what you said, which is, my God, you have a lot of classes to teach in your life. You have a lot of hours to teach in your life. A lot. And the only way that you're going to survive and, and not you, we all go through burnout, including teachers, but to minimize burnout and to get through it a little bit quicker, it's not about resting on your laurels, but it's not about churning your wheels unnecessarily all the time. And the more that you can develop a piece of content instead of bounce from one thing to another thing, to another thing, to another. It's another thing I talk about with my especially advanced students all the time. It's like, develop the story. Don't tell me one story today and then a different story the next day. And the next, you know what I mean? Like take something from television and from movies and from serial books. Like don't try to write nature poetry today and then some turgid love drama tomorrow. Like write a series of things that relate to each other and where you can progressively go deeper. Taking this example of backbends, right? Unconventional backbends. I could give you eight weeks easy of classes on unconventional backbends starting now. Because if I think about that one thing, unconventional ways of preparing the shoulders for backbends, unconventional ways of strengthening the shoulders for backbends. If I just think about backbends, I'm going to run out. But if I'm like, there's more qualifiers. Oh, it's unconventional shoulder preparations for backbends. Then that specificity 
is going to produce more ingenuity. People think that they can be creative in a vacuum, but we're usually most creative when we're problem solving or when we're developing something, right? So when you can be a little bit more specific on a topic for longer as a teacher, you are less likely to burn out as quickly and you're more likely just in the long run to develop more content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I will say what goes hand in hand with that and what I was kind of getting to when I was saying you become more familiar with the topic is that you can use your online content creation. And I, I really encourage you to use your online content creation as a place to grow. It can be a little harder to walk into a classroom and to sort of try test the waters and try things out in front of 30 people or your regular students who have a regular expectation of you. I'm gonna start turning my camera off when I teach in Zoom. I'm so tired of seeing myself. <laughs> but online, it's just a way to get to know yourself. Yeah. So you were just talking about, I could come up with eight weeks of unconventional backbends. And that's great. And you've been doing this content thing for a really Ever. long time. Yeah. yeah. But if you haven't been doing it for a really long time, I just wanna invite you to try things out, okay? Yeah. And yeah. if you fail and a post is dismal and you don't want to look at it anymore, just delete it and no one will remember. You are trying to do this so that you will grow. And the things that work online will inform your growth and you'll feel excited about that feedback loop and you will keep going in that direction. But I want to I want to say the same thing a little bit about teaching online classes. Right. I know for me that teaching online class, I mean, I've been teaching classes online. I've been teaching classes online forever. I've been teaching on Yoga Glow for 10 years, doing trainings online for eight years. Right. So that isn't new to me, but doing the live streams is like live stream is really different. And I'll tell you, for me, I feel, I mean, I'm a little tired of it. You know, I've been doing it now with like everyone's been doing it for like almost a year. But there are ways in which my teaching has improved because I've changed and I've taken new risk. You know, like I'm getting people to the wall. I'm starting to do even more demonstrations. I'm breaking certain poses down differently. I'm just kind of saying, look, we're all out of our habit. And, and the, the, longer, the, the longer you do something, the harder it is to do that thing differently. So the longer you teach a certain style of yoga in a drop-in class, the harder it is to like shake it up a little bit. Yeah. But life has been so shaken yeah. up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's already been this change. There's already been this learning curve. Things are already different. So why not now? You know? And, yeah. and so for me, especially doing all the online trainings, I actually feel like there's this massive improvement in the trainings in some ways because I've been teaching these for 10 years, but now there's such a, I'm doing them in such a different way. I'm getting new insight to the process. So I have like everything that I've done well for 10 years, but then the little things where I've thought, well, maybe I should do it differently. Maybe I should do this a little differently. Maybe I should add this. Maybe I should subtract this. No, no, no. I don't want to mess with thing, this thing because it works, Right. But without it being live and with it being a different kind of pressure, 
it's easier for me to say, no, you know what? I am going to teach this a little bit differently. I am going to add this. I am going to subtract this. So I'm just saying, I don't think it's just a, hey, let's try not to worry about change or bombing a post. Bomb a Zoom class, man. (laughs) People are half alive taking them anyways. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't, it's it's an exaggeration, but you get the point. Like, now's a really good time if you feel compelled to like change pace, change cadence, use more props, use less props. Like, it's the world is still kind of open for that right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, my last reason to repurpose your content is that it is a way to warm people up for your paid events. And this is something I want to talk about more this year, which is just encouraging yoga teachers to create their own online workshops or with through their studio, just slightly bigger events than the regular weekly class, online courses, etc. Again, like I will talk more about this in another episode in terms of how to think of things as a launch and to 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 create content that leads up to that launch. But I will say that if you are going to teach a workshop or an online retreat or anything, you want to have content that supports that event without being super overt overt, and it being a direct marketing post. It's important, of course, to have marketing posts that are like, hey, on March 4th, I'm teaching XYZ. Swipe up or go to the link in my bio to register. But you also want to have you also want to have content that familiarizes people with your authority on the topic, your approach and unique angle to the topic, and why the topic is going to be helpful to them. And the way to do that is to create enough content ahead of time that they are slowly warming up to the ideas. I think we're a pretty good example of that, right? Because I feel like through this podcast, through our posts, blogs, my glow classes, live classes, trainings, whatever it is, what you see is what you get, you know? So people have a sense of who we are to the degree that anyone that isn't us can know us directly, right? And that either works for people and they want to do more, or it doesn't work for people and they find someone else that works better for them, right? You know, not everyone is going to share the same approach and sensibility. I don't think this is just about showing that you know all everything there is to know about the elastic profile of ligaments. But it's about people understanding, do I understand the way this person communicates? Do they have a personality that lends itself to me like wanting to spend time with this person and mm-hmm. learn from them, right? So there's a lot of the more subtle, really relationship-based factors that you can expose these ways. There's two small things I want to say that to me are kind of big summations for me and how I have thought about repurposing content forever. Um, Number one, which is a pizza, okay? Which is, it's much easier to make one pizza and cut it up into 12 pieces than to make 12 individual pieces of pizza, right? And so that's what I'm always thinking about is I want to think of one big topic, right? I want to think about 
unconventional backbends. We'll just stay on that, okay? And instead of having one class- We're definitely going to have to link to that. Totally. It's a good promo. There we go. One (laughs) class of unconventional backbend preparations. I want to think, oh, let me have one class that focuses more on shoulder. Let me have one class that focuses more on spine and core. Let me have one class that focuses more on back hip. Let me have one class that focuses more on front of hip. And let me have one class that then ties all those things together, right? So that's five or six classes instead of one class, right? So when you have that that one big concept, right? Or maybe it's- You make it into a series. You make it into series. <laughs> I don't know if it's just say series. Just like series. It is. I was thinking that because it's basically the same thing as having a column or a series. Okay. This is getting way out of territory, but I did ask Chelsea about what she would say if her, her last name is Adams Mm -hmm. and what she would say if her family was coming over, would she say (laughs) the Adams are coming over Uh or the Adamses are coming over? what did she say? The Adamses. (laughs) No wonder she fits in so well to our family. I would say the Adamses. I would say. But but also, okay. But point being is like, I think it is just easier to think about one thing and then dive more deeply and unpack that thing than it is to like find a bunch of disparate ideas, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're going to run out of topics, man. You got to, everyone, you have a lot of classes to teach for the rest of your life, man. Okay. All right. I wake up in a cold sweat thinking this, but so you, you can't run yourself too thin. You have to go deeper in the individual things, right? Similarly, for me, kind of you gave the example of like, okay, we do kind of a post on this or that, and then that gives us kind of data like, oh, the people want more of this, right? For me, I also want to say that it often goes the opposite because for me personally, I am not very creative or thoughtful or skillful when I just sit be ever. I'm like, where is this going? (laughs) He's feeling really bad about himself. No, it's my my cheap, false Midwestern humility. No, I'm not that thoughtful or skillful or insightful. (laughs) Okay, after this, we have to finish this episode with the text string recently. Okay, when I sit down to do a post, I never do that. I can't like sit down and be like, okay, what do I want to say about the femurs today? What do I want to say about vulnerability today? (laughs) Never. That's never when that comes to me. It comes to me when I'm teaching. So it's when I'm teaching that I am much more naturally um, insightful and inspired. And I come up with ideas that I think are interesting. And then after class, I immediately write a thing or two down. And then, right? And so it's my teaching that is the natural place for me to develop the uh, kind of the initial kernel of the contents. And then I'm like, oh, I actually really like this unconventional little thing we did to prepare the shoulders. Now I'm going to do a blog post on it. Now I'm going to build it out into this, that, or another thing. So I think what I'm trying to communicate is that everyone is going to have an environment where they are probably more 
inspired and insightful than other environments and use that environment to add to and, and develop those other platforms. She's <laughs> just looking at me, literally smirking this whole conversation. Whole conversation. Well, this whole last moment. Okay, goodness. what are you thinking? All um, right. I think we're done with that topic. <laughs> it was great. But what were you thinking? What were you going to add? I'm going to add a story. <laughs> it's story time, boys and girls. The majority of people have logged off. Is that <laughs> what they do? They've hung up. That's what you <laughs> say. <laughs> okay, it's story time. The other day, our daughter uses either of our phones and our texts to communicate with her friends about the games that they play online. It's COVID times. Don't judge us. Kids now play online video games with each other. So the other day, Jason sits down, picks up his phone, and sees a text. He knows it is from her friend Kira because it's from him. Because it is. Because it is. And it says, Amelie has HRT. And he goes, oh, you guys, Amelie's hurt. No, worse. I texted her back as no, if I was so He goes, Amelie's hurt. And we're like, what? And he says, it says Amelie has HRT. And then he texts back and says, is she okay? And then he and I look at each other and Sophia says, HRT means horse riding tails, dad. So the girl was saying that one of their other friends had this new game that they're all playing and she was all excited. So as soon as Jason texted back, is she okay? Thinking HRT meant hurt. He then texted back, sorry, that was my dad. As though he was Sophia. Maybe it had to be there, but anybody who... I think there's a, I think there's a lesson in this. Mm -hmm. And there's two lessons from this podcast. It's really valuable and important to repurpose content. Mm -hmm. I think the second lesson is just don't involve yourself in an eight-year-old's text streams. <laughs> and just allow them to communicate and don't communicate as if you are your own child because you're probably going to get a situation wrong if you're like you're a knucklehead. embarrass your child. The other day, Sophia said, we sent you a text that said something like, we're on our way home, RN. And then she's like, does dad know what RN means? I'm like, no, there's, there's no way in hell he knows. <laughs> right now. I know. Just oh, you did know. I'm not. Congratulations. Yeah. Okay. You cannot say I'm not that. Thick. Thick. You called Alexa Siri. Well, that's <laughs> an easy mistake to, to make. Listen. And scene. It was really loud. It was first thing in the morning. It was some like trumpety thing that you set up. Okay. <laughs> Bye, All everyone. Right. Thank you, Jason. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you picked up some good nuggets of info. I will put show notes at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 222. And until next week, enjoy your practice.